Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the First Baptist Church here in the hills of Western Massachusetts in Coleraine. Thank you for watching, listening, wherever you may be, on Christian Radio as well. WLPV. Uh, we've been um, started to study the book of Titus, the book of Titus, and we're going to be reading the whole chapter and studying the whole chapter this morning. So let's read chapter two. And the heading in this Bible is what must be taught it to various groups. And there is a Bible in the pew, and uh, page number is 1858. You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home and be kind and be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority and do not let anyone despise you. May the Lord give us understanding of his word this morning. Amen. Just have a word of prayer. And Father, thank you so much again 
for those that are here, those that are watching, those that are listening. We just pray that our ears would be open and also our hearts to receive uh, the things written in your word and make it clear so we can apply these things in our own life in a practical way. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of this message today is Leading by Example. And you should have one of these in the bulletin. All the answers are in the message. That's number one. Leading by Example. There's three letters written by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament called the pastoral epistles. Epistle means letter. You probably know that already. These are the pastoral epistles. Uh, they were written to pastors Timothy and Titus. We've already studied the two letters from Paul to Pastor Timothy. Now we're studying the letter to Pastor Titus to give instructions as to how to oversee the running of the churches where they ministered, in Titus's case, in Crete, which is an island south of Greece in the Mediterranean Sea. And now these instructions given to Timothy and Titus, uh, they're just as relevant to the church today in the 21st century. Chapter one, as we studied last week of Titus, gives details, not only the details on the ideal characteristics of a church leader, but also gives instructions as to how to deal with false teachers that were causing trouble and dividing the churches back in the first century. Now here in chapter two, which we're gonna to study today, which we are studying today, explains more practical book. The Bible is very practical instructions of how we ought to conduct ourselves as Christians, as believers, the church. So verses 1 through 10, Titus teaches about different groups of people and how we're supposed to behave. That includes the older men, older women, young men, young women, and this version of the Bible says slaves or servants. This letter emphasizes Christ-like characteristic, because Jesus is the perfect role model, amen? Self-control, faithfulness, dignity, respect, godliness, and love. These are wonderful attributes that we should exemplify in our own life. Older men and women are to be good examples to the younger people in the church. Why? so that they can follow their example, follow their behavior. Older men, it says, are to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, love, and endurance. In that time and culture, the older men referred to were men of 40 years and older. So if you're around 40 and you don't think you're an older man, think again. <laughs> Anybody over 40 is an older man. That's referring to those back in the day because they didn't live as long as they do now. These were men were not to uh, demonstrate to be angry 
Well, we all get angry at times, don't we? If you're human, that is. They're not to demonstrate. This is within the church, no punch-ups, all right? They're not to demonstrate anger, drunkenness, uh, be undisciplined or lazy. Instead, they should be dignified, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sensible. You know, if, you're, if you drink too much, you know, you know, you're not in your right mind. You're not going to be self-controlled or sensible. They were to be sound in faith. What does that mean? Well, you live according to the teachings written in the Bible. They are to be sound in love, meaning to focus on others, not to be self-centered, but other centers. So that's the word joy. How can you have joy? J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and then yourself. Amen? The men should have the quality of endurance, it says, which is being faithful to God and his church, regardless of the circumstances. Come what may, be solid, dependable, reliable, unwavering in our commitment to Christ. Paul also gives instructions to the older women. They are to be respectful in their behavior and not be short-tempered. And they were to train the younger women not to speak badly of others. And that would also include gossip. Gossip, all forms of gossip. And the older women, it says, not to be slaves to much wine. You know, drinking alcohol, we know, isn't condemned. And we know people commonly drank fermented drinks back then because the water wasn't always safe enough to drink. But it is definitely forbidden to be controlled by alcohol, not to be addicted to it. The older women were to teach what is good, helping the younger women to follow their example, how to behave. You know, people are watching us. What kind of example are we setting? One example for the older women to teach the younger one is how to love their husbands, if they have one, and to, how to love their children, to demonstrate that. To be self-controlled, pure, busy at home, and kind. These are wonderful attributes. Why? So the word of God they profess to believe wouldn't be criticized by people outside of the church that opposes Christianity and Christians and Jesus in general. In verse 6, Paul writes to Timothy about the younger men. I guess it's those under 40 years old. Titus was supposed to motivate them to live self-controlled lives, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit, being self-controlled. 
being controlled by the Holy Spirit and not out of control. Amen? Self-control involves being pure and respectful of others. Being a godly example of how to live in a godless society. And it's getting more godless by the year. So anyone outside of the church who accuses Christians falsely would be ashamed of themselves if they bring an accusation against us. So, like I said before, people are watching us, how we live. And he also gives directions, as St. Paul, to, it says slaves in this version, it could mean servants that had become Christians while living in Crete. Titus became a Christian. He was born in Crete also. He got saved, he became a believer through the preaching of the Apostle Paul, the missionary that evangelized that island. Many, many people became Christians on Crete. And that included these servants as well. They were to submit to their masters, try to please them, don't give them any back chat. Don't steal from them. Be completely trustworthy, reliable, and dependable. That's the kind of employer, employee that we would like. If, we, if you were an employer, that's the kind of person you would like working for you, isn't it? Completely trustworthy, reliable, and dependable. I could give you many stories of people back in Papua New Guinea where we live that try to steal from us. Unless it was nailed down, they would swipe it, pretty much, you know. So anyway, that's another story. If you want, want me to tell you about those stories, I will later on. But we haven't got time. Got to move along. These servants, these slaves, were to demonstrate all those good things that are pleasing to God. Why? Well, it's the right thing to do, number one. Number two, so that their masters, their owners, could see the difference that Jesus made in the lives of their servants. And hopefully, they too, that good influence would rub off on them, and they too would become believers in Jesus. You know? He so said, we need to attract people to Christ not repel them. Amen? Attract them to Christ, not repel them. So these scriptures are very practical, like I said. Paul commands Titus to teach boldly and with authority. Why? For the benefit of all the age groups to be self-controlled, and be respectful of others, whether you like them or not. But how? How were these, those Christians, or us, back in Crete, and we in the 21st century, how are we to put into practice these instructions given to the church? Well, verse 11 tells us how. 
For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God. This is how we can demonstrate and put into practice these instructions. And it says, the grace of God has offered, appeared, that offers salvation to all people. So the offer of salvation is available to everybody. But unfortunately, not everyone will receive the gift that he offers. And the greatest gift that he could possibly offer is his son, Jesus Christ. But the offer is there. Are you willing to accept the gift? Have you accepted the gift that God offers? Salvation. Salvation. Salvation of your soul. Through the grace of God. It's by grace you are saved. Through faith. And that not of yourselves, not of works. It's a gift of God. Lest anyone should boast. So the offer is there. The offer is there. God pours out his grace upon us favorably. Whereas the law, which is good and perfect, it demands that we obey it. But we're no longer under the law as Christians. We are under grace. And we have the power to live and keep God's commandments because of the grace that God so favorably gives us through receiving his son. That's the only way you can receive the grace of God is by receiving the God of grace, Jesus Christ. He said, I and my Father are one. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. All people. What does all mean? All, everyone in the whole world, regardless of where you were born, regardless of your religion, your background, your culture. All people. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My question is, have you? Have you received God's grace, the gift of God's grace? by receiving his son. Without the grace of God, we don't have the power. We don't have the power. To what? As verse 12 says, we don't have the power to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We just don't have the power. Who is the power? The good news, we can receive the power. Once you receive Jesus Christ, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you to be able to do God's will. Without the power, we're powerless, we're impotent. 
to do God's will. So once you receive Christ as your Savior, you receive the power to do his will until he takes us home to heaven at our death. Or, as verse 13 and 14 says, while we wait for the blessed hope. What's that? Jesus is coming back. We're waiting for him to return. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Right? Eager to do what is good. You're not saved by good works, but we're expected to do good works with the aid of the Holy Spirit, like taking an old lady across the road, even if she doesn't want to go. All right? Okay. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word. It's so practical. It has to be. So we can put it into practice. And we, ha we know that having received you as our personal say, we can live self-controlled, temperate, godly lives. Not that we are godly in and of ourselves. We're sinners, but we can be sinners saved by grace through faith, simply by placing our faith in what Jesus did on that cross for us. Believing in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead and is alive. And those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope and pray. Those of you that are listening that have never done that, simply believe in your heart what Jesus did for you because he loves you so much. And like I said, the scripture says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you just place your faith in what he did for you, because we don't have any goodness or righteousness of our own to enable us to get into heaven, because all our righteousness is as a filthy rag, the Bible says, and nothing impure can enter into God's holy sanctuary. But once we receive Jesus, we receive the righteousness, his righteousness, and God doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees Christ in us, and we are allowed in because of the grace of God, the unmerited, unearned favor of a benevolent God who loves us and who sent his son to die for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you and God bless you all and hope to see you soon. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, 
Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.